Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. This is your host Prakash Sangam. Today we will put our focus on the telecom infra market which has been hitting the news headlines for some time now. Especially since US government raised concerns about national security and the lack of diversity in 5G infrastructure. As you all know, US government has even banned Huawei from selling to US cellular carriers and it is seriously evaluating many options to broaden the infra ecosystem. We did a podcast on this some time ago. I highly encourage you to check it out. One of the key options that government is looking at for broadening the ecosystem is encouraging open and virtualized networks. Although a cellular core network has been virtualized for some time, the radio access network RAN has been lacking and its virtualization is kind of starting off now. Today we will take a deep dive on the subject and we are fortunate to have Alok Shah who is the Vice President of Network Strategy, BD and Marketing at Samsung Electronics America with us today to discuss this. Alok, welcome to Tantra's Mantra. Thank you, Prakash. I'm happy to be here. Perfect. So Samsung has been known uh, in the telecom world for its popular Galaxy smartphones, right? Not many people knew about your network business before. Uh, it almost came as a shock when you won a large share of uh, US 5G contracts in a couple of years ago. How did that come about? Sure. So Samsung, uh, as you know, is a company with a large number of very large businesses, but we've mm-hmm. actually been in the telecom network infrastructure space for about 40 years now. And it's been a sort of gradual growth story, both geographically and in terms of, of our portfolio. We started out in the Korean market and we continue to have a very good relationship, sort of deep business with all three of the Korean operators. And that's a meaningful because South Korea is, you know, one of the places in the world where the new technologies come to life first. Yeah. Consumers and Korean operators are very, very aggressive about this. And so, so it's forced Samsung to be on the bleeding edge when it comes to technology and new, new capabilities. And so we've been able to extend that into uh, markets like Japan. Western Europe, India, and the United States. Most recently, we've actually expanded into places like Canada and New Zealand. And in every generation of technology, we're able to, to gain a little bit more depth of relationship with operator customers around the world, especially the ones that, are, that also want to be on the bleeding edge of technology. So over the last couple of years, we've been able to win business with, like you said, a number of the leading US operators. And really, 5G has presented that transition point, that opportunity for us. So you guys also announced your VRAN portfolio, right? So could you give us a quick overview of your offerings? Sure. So Samsung announced, as you said, that this quarter we'll be commercializing our 5G virtualized RAN. As you noted up front, virtualization has moved or is moving from the core network into the into the radio network, replacing purpose-built hardware with general purpose platforms that are running software. Uh, applications. And, and it's an exciting move in terms of adding flexibility and efficiency to the networks. And, and we're you know really proud of, of our offering. And you know over time, we'll be able to talk about where we're deploying it. But step one is, is commercializing it. Okay, perfect. Let me ask two questions that I ask everybody after their product pitch. When are these things available in the market for commercial use? And what are your key differentiations? Sure. So as I said, we'll be commercializing it this quarter. 
So it'll be in the market soon, within the next couple of months. Differentiation, what we bring to the table is Samsung is we sit sort of at the intersection of more traditional, larger incumbent vendors of equipment and leading schedules and capabilities around the VRAN, but based on the algorithms and engineering expertise of a more established RAN vendor. And that's really key. I think in the VRAN, one of the things that I'm sure we'll talk more about here today is that you know, VRAN's not for everyone. It's not for every operator. And there are certainly situations where purpose-built hardware remains the best option. You know, we think it's important to, to offer a portfolio that involves both, that gives operators choice in terms of how they want to deploy new networks or upgrade their existing networks. Yeah, I agree with that. So far, if you look at you know how the VRAM has been, it's mostly small software players working with large compute and cloud players trying to make this happen. The traditional players are a little bit pulling their legs before entering the space. Although Nokia announced their VRAM offerings as well, I think they'll be available sometime in 2021 and such. I'm assuming your VRAN offerings support open interfaces, right? Which means they also support open RAN architecture then? That's right. So we believe very strongly in open RAN. It's really in our DNA to support open, open ecosystems. And so throughout our portfolio, you'll see more and more ORAN compliance uh, in our radios and in our baseband. And that includes the VRAN platform. Perfect. Let me put a small plug here. I actually uh, write an article on Samsung's uh, announcement and what that means to the industry in my column at RC Wireless News. So if you guys want to know more, you can check it out. Uh, yeah, I read it and I can, I can vouch for uh, the fact that it's a very good article. Yeah, thank you. So, okay, coming back to Open RAN and VRAN, a lot of People confuse these two. A lot of them use them as almost synonyms. While these are two separate concepts as such, in my view, their fate is interrelated. I mean, if VRAN happens, then Open RAN is much bigger possibility than otherwise, and vice versa. Uh, what is your view? Yeah, it's a it's a good point. My my view is a little bit different than that. What we're seeing in the market okay. is that both Open RAN and VRAN are important architectural advancements for operators, mm -hmm. and so. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're finding in a lot of cases that the operator doesn't necessarily want to to bring both of them in the network at the same time. Ultimately, they'll get to a place perhaps where we have open interfaces running on virtualized RAN, but the introduction sometimes is happening one or the other first. And so we have operator customers that are moving forward with ORAN compliant equipment first, and then moving mm -hmm. after that toward virtualization. And then we have customers that are virtualizing first, but not attempting to mix and match vendors initially and, and moving to that as a second phase. I think the third category is the greenfield operators, right? Folks who, who don't have a network today. And for them, as you said, it's, it's absolutely natural to, to start with a clean sheet and, and introduce both of these new technologies at the same time. So it's really a mix that we're seeing, but, but definitely I, I think. ORAN can move forward with some customers separately from actually moving to virtualization. It's interesting that you are seeing uh, open RAN with a virtual RAN uh, with some of your customers. Then 
how does he into working with other major RAN vendors who have been? So they are open to opening up their interfaces and such and working with you guys. Is it happening at this Open RAN Alliance level or is it operators pushing their own specific plans and deployments or is it more at the industry level across the board? What I guess what I would say is that the specifications are being defined at an industry forum level, right? And so mm -hmm. the OEM Alliance, 3GPP, other organizations are doing great work with the participation of operators and vendors to define, you know, what these different interfaces should be. It's really uh -huh. the, ultimately the operators that are driving their suppliers to interoperate. And that's why, you know, I think one of the things that we're clearly seeing is that the operators that are moving forward first uh, with Open RAN are the largest ones, right? The ones that have scale that they can bring to bear in encouraging their suppliers to support these things that they want supported. Okay. So do you think migration from 4G to 5G is a key turning point and even a great opportunity for operators to look at these new architectures and adopt VLAN and Open RAN? I think it is. Anytime an operator is, is going in and making changes to every site in their network, there's an opportunity to rethink the way they do things. And it may be the case that if they're continuing to work with incumbents, that the, the path to that upgrade to 5G doesn't include kind of a large amount of, of surgery to the network components, and therefore they decide they don't want to rush toward, uh, toward a VRAN. But uh, we're certainly seeing a number of instances where an operator, as part of that 5G upgrade, sees an opportunity to look at, at the flexibility that comes from, from virtualization. It's also very much the case, as I said before, that it's not the case that the entire network will go virtualized initially, right? Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot more interest in virtualization for kind of low-band 5G, for potentially a mid-band 5G. And in, in areas like millimeter wave, where the amount of computation that would be required to process 800 megahertz of spectrum makes more sense to use the purpose-built hardware approach. And you know, in our case, that means our modem SOC. And again, I, I think it is important to be able to offer that path as well. You know, when, when you look at a VRAN, there's the CU component, right? The centralized unit and the distributed unit, the DU component. And you can, mm -hmm. you know, you can virtualize one or both of them. And what we're seeing is many of our operator customers from day one virtualize the CU in 5G and, mm -hmm. and portions of their network, they're virtualizing the DU, but they're keeping a more traditional DU in other cases, right? It makes perfect sense. The structure and the architecture of millimeter wave basically is more like small cells, right? Yeah. And you have a lot of processing power and then it makes sense to have the both DU and the RU at the same place. Yeah. And that's why the path we've taken a millimeter wave is to introduce this, what we call an access unit that takes the radio and the baseband and puts them into a single box, right? That's small and unobtrusive because like you said, these are getting deployed on light poles and utility poles and, you know, need to blend in. Correct. Yeah. So being a relatively new player, I'm sure you are very open and adopting VRAN and Open RAN much more uh, openly than... Uh, your other established competitors. How is this changing the market outlook for you guys? I mean, is this creating more opportunity, which I think it is? What are your views on that? Yeah, I think it is. You know, Open RAN lends itself to broadening the ecosystem, right? And mm -hmm. breaking some of that vendor lock-in that has kept the other suppliers at 
substantially high market shares. And so any opportunity to, to sort of democratize the network, democratize the RAN is a benefit to challengers. And we view ourselves as a very credible challenger in the space. And so it certainly has, I think, opened some doors for us. So VRAN as such has been talked about for some time and, you know, there are many trials and few small deployments here and there but in my view what actually made everybody believe in it was large-scale deployment of a greenfield network by rakuten in japan and also at the same time japan is flush with the dark fiber and fiber availability is so keen to virtualization that in places where you don't have or the access to fiber is expensive that could be a hindrance right yeah i I think that's uh, i think that's accurate you know i focus primarily on the u.s market and and one thing that's really surprised me over the last maybe four or five years is how fiber penetration in in metro parts of this country has grown dramatically right you Mm -hmm. know you know five or six years ago we were deploying a a cloud ran architecture in korea and we thought well there's no way we could do that in the u.s market but Mm -hmm. but we have absolutely seen the operators push the envelope on getting fiber to more places and introducing CRAN architectures, right, with aggregation hubs. And, and and that has very much opened the door to getting dark fiber to more cell sites and making it possible to introduce some of these new technologies. Uh, interesting to know. I happen to believe the fiber availability in the U.S. is not as great, but to hear that's not the case. I, I would so, say it's all relative, yeah. right? It, it's improved dramatically is what I would say. Yeah. Are we Korea or Japan? No. Okay, Great. So again, looking back to Rakuten and Fish, which is building a greenfield network, has also said they will do VRAN. These kind of give an impression that VRAN is more suitable for greenfield deployments, uh, not so much for the existing ones. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's just two different situations. For a, for a greenfield operator, it, it makes all of the sense in the world to start day one with a VRAN and with an open ecosystem. What existing operators have to do is is generally more complex. They've got to think through the transition path, right? Where to start, how to start, how to avoid disrupting the quality of experience for their consumer, for their customers. But there is a path forward and we're absolutely seeing quite a lot of interest in VRAN, not not just from, from Greenfield operators, but also from operators that have deployed you know, large scale networks. Oh, yeah. So, and you're seeing people when they look at 5G doing it or even when they're expanding 4G, they're looking at these architectures as well? Yeah, yeah. I th- you know, I think there is also interest in introducing VRAN into 4G. There, it's, it's a little trickier, right, just because the, the investments have been made already in 4G networks. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, in thinking through the ROI, I think the math has to work, basically. But, but that said, I mean, equipment gets upgraded all the time and, and 4G is not is not stopped, right? 4G improvements continue in terms of LTE Advanced Pro and and other performance benefits. And so so the economics are there, but I I think what we're seeing is is 5G is is a great inflection point for VRAM. I mean, of all the things that we're talking about, there is only one large scale network. I mean, that too, relatively large, not not as large as the works elsewhere. So what is your view on major guys? I talk to some of the operators often, they are very keenly looking at this uh, greenfield deployments being done as we speak, and then maybe make their move uh, after they look at and have some a good amount of success in very large scale things. So uh, we're seeing a mix. I mean, I mean, certainly, certainly, an operator that has fifty or a hundred million subscribers 
is is going to be very very concerned about ensuring quality of experience for those subscribers right and mm -hmm. um, and their network you know the operators we work with they put a massive amount of uh, effort into ensuring that they have the best networks in in their markets and so 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 no one will jump in you know feet first <laughs> into something like this right there's always yeah. uh, going to be a need to to validate it some operators as you said are validating it in in rural areas or in other types of environments where you know they don't have infrastructure today and so there's an opportunity to do something like that we do have you know other operators that are are trialing it in their in their main networks in their in their kind of urban networks and you know have every intention to make make a transition within kind of the heart of their network so it just you know it, it varies and, and every operator's uh, situation is unique right I'm thinking the, the deployment such as private network uh, would be a great opportunity for uh, players to check it out right without touching their main network they look like their main networks but uh, they are separate from the main network, so don't see any any traction on that side. Yeah, I, th I think that yeah, I think yeah. you're absolutely right. It is a sandbox that where you can maybe control the experience a little bit better. You know, with the only thing I would say is that sometimes an enterprise environment may not give you may not give you a picture of what happens when you put that in the middle of New York City or Chicago or or LA. Yeah. And so they just have to balance the, that, right? That the subscriber traffic, the usage patterns are not going to match normal consumer yeah. environment. But it, it does solve a real, you know, real challenge. And if you look at these enterprise environments, those enterprise customers are, are looking not just for, for, for cellular coverage and capacity in their facilities. They're also looking for, for edge computing and local storage and a lot of things that all kind of can rely on the same processing platform. Right. And so yeah. architecturally, it makes a lot of sense as well. The announcement that you did, I believe we're both for 4G as well as 5G, right? Not just 5G. That's right. So, yeah. So our, our customers generally are starting with 4G on CBRS. Okay. And so, so yeah, I, I think, you know, as those customers move to 5G, I, I expect see you know see some of those deployments go to a, a VRAN processing architecture. Today, mm -hmm. you know, today they're they're focused on 4G. Okay, perfect. When you work with the operators and they are looking at especially VRAN architecture, not so much open RAN. What are some of the key reasons why they're looking at it? Is it more technology? Is it you know cost savings? Yeah, I, I think you know it, it's pretty clear that there are some meaningful OPEX benefits. When you have a common processing platform, you have the ability to, to simplify your sparing and replacement strategy so much, right? You know, if you have two mm -hmm. or three vendors on your network and each of them is now operating on a server from Dell or HP, well, those servers you know, can now be used throughout the country. So, so benefits like that, I think, are meaningful. The other area that we're seeing, I think, a lot of interest, uh, to the point I made earlier in the enterprise, is just that operators want to be able to consolidate a number of different functions on a common platform, right? And I think with all the activity that's going on around edge clouds and edge compute, with the activity that's going around uh, other enterprise applications like SD-WAN or security that operators are providing to their customers, they're already buying, you know, and deploying quite a few of these servers. And so being able to move their, you know, RAN baseband processing onto those platforms is architecturally the right path forward long-term. That's a great point. Synergies between all of the edge cloud and the uh, virtualization. I mean, if you're putting a 
big processing box close to the edge of the network anyway. Why not leverage it for uh, many other functions and then just front-end uh, service? So I, I think that's a great point. Yeah, I um, think even when it comes to, you know, how much time do operators spend training personnel on these specialized PBU boxes? You know, there are a lot more folks that are knowledgeable about IT servers, right? And, and so yeah. I think the skill sets can change over time as well. Correct. So another consideration of thinking about, you know, combining the uh, VRAN and Edge Cloud together is the most efficient architecture for Edge Cloud is you have a common Edge server across multiple operators that could hold content, application and services, kind of a operator agnostic uh, Edge Cloud. That is one option. But if you're trying to do a VRAN, then that kind of architecture would not work. Although not really related to VRAN, but in terms of Edge Cloud, I've seen many announcements from Verizon, AT&T, and others. They seem to be building their own Edge Cloud, other than having a common Edge Cloud supporting multiple operators. Any any views on it? How things are evolving? Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think you know, from what I've seen, the operators seem to be kind of keeping their options open when it comes to okay. partners. And you know, as you said, there's a recognition that certain applications are sort of easy to put on the public cloud and certain applications are maybe not well suited to a public cloud. And so I think that's part of it as well, the need for different different types of platforms. Okay, cool. So now uh, coming back to this uh, issue that I started with, the lack of infra ecosystem diversity and national security concerns. Now, what do you think, how much this VRAN and Open RAN can address that issue? Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, the ORAN Alliance was not was not created to focus on supplier security or, or any of these topics, right? It was really targeted at bringing kind of flexibility and efficiency to operator networks. I would say the area where where there's a, an opportunity perhaps for for open interfaces to to kind of help in this area is if if an operator decides determines through whatever means that that they have a problem with one of their suppliers that they you know either aren't performing well or are, are you know, not trusted or or whatever the case may be you know now you're not talking about ripping out the entire brand you're talking about replacing a portion of it and, and those interfaces can be you know are defined well enough that it over time will will be kind of a, a simple replacement right i think that's really the place where there's an opportunity for oran to help yeah, I mean, absolutely agree. Whether these were created or developed for security, but I think they have a great promise in terms of making the ecosystem much more diverse and also bringing in a lot of new, small as well as major cloud players. Mm-hmm. But overall, as an ecosystem, I think it'll be much more vibrant. And especially if you look at the small guys who are doing a lot of these VLAN software and such, I think uh, the overall mix and the value of the whole ecosystem will be increased by bringing in open systems in my view. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, we will see a more vibrant ecosystem in the RAM. There's no doubt that, that kind of destroying this vendor lock-in will give give more companies a chance to compete on a, on a level playing ground. So if it is a closed system like what it is now, you kind of have one throat to choke for operators, right? If something goes wrong or whatever. But with these many different components and functions, tying them all together could be a challenge as well. So 
I see opportunity for somebody to be a system uh, integrator, like you have an IT, for example, where basically talks to different vendors, puts the system together and such, rather than operators who have limited resources in working with many, many vendors and any expertise on that. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. I think uh, that's why what we're seeing initially is sort of the largest, most capable operators that have the deepest bench of technical resources, right, are, are the ones uh -huh. that are are driving forward on, on ORAN and VRAN initiatives. Because, as you know, it, it does require a lot of involvement from from one of the parties, right? And so in this case, the operators themselves have taken a pretty active role. That doesn't work for every operator, without a doubt. There are a number of operators that continue to want to have one throat to choke. And, and so from their perspective, they could either they could either stay with a single vendor, right? There's certainly nothing wrong with that. Or yeah, yeah we're we're fine with that. Or, or um, <laughs> you know, or there could be this this ecosystem that comes up of system integrators. And those system integrators could come from the traditional RAN OEMs, right? They could come from more more of the sort of IT integrator space. There's a lot of potential paths, I think, to, to making that happen. It's not a trivial amount of effort for sure to to integrate multi-vendor systems. Okay. That was my last question. We covered a lot of ground. Any final comments or any things I think we missed uh, talking about VRAN and OpenRAN? I think we did cover a lot of ground. Uh, you know, in general, we're, I think, as you are as well, we're pretty positive on the opportunity for these uh, open systems and virtualized systems to have, have a meaningful place in generation architectures. And I, and I think them becoming sure alongside 5G is, is really great time. It gives the operators you know, the opportunity to, to make those transitions because big architectural shifts like this only really happen during the big technology transitions, right? Mid-cycle, it's mm -hmm. harder to do. So the timing, you know, I think really works out. Okay, perfect. All right, thank you very much for all the information and insights. Really exciting stuff. I really appreciate you coming over to uh, our show. So hope to see you back on the show again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Prakash. Uh, thank you for having me. So, folks, uh, that's it for now. Hope uh, it was informative and you found it to be useful. Uh, if you did, please hit the subscribe now button down there. And I'll be back very soon with another episode, putting light on another interesting tech subject. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>